welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me are my colleagues, Matthew Dawkins. Hello there. And Danielle Dazon. Hello. Hello. Uh, we all sound very fun? upbeat, don't we? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you gave a very long welcome at the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you were falling down a well. <laughs> um, but you were just that damn polite that you had to welcome us despite your impending death. And, and yeah. Well, you... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, um, some of it is uh, I, uh, surprising absolutely no one, I have been watching Transformers uh, toy videos lately mm. on YouTube. Okay. Uh, but specifically, I have stumbled across a new to me person uh, named Thu Adams, uh, who's probably been doing it for 14 years. Uh, and they are delightful. Um, mm. But also, uh, uh, they love both wordplay and portmanteaus. Okay. Uh, so it has been getting me thinking about kind of how I talk on uh, streams and recordings and whatnot, which is something I've actually not been thinking about for a while. So it was, it was good to kind of like, okay, you know, picking up some kind of linguistic rhythm and whatnot. It's, they do the usual kind of super jump cutty YouTube style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, it's it's interesting, very polished, uh, and it's an it's a different cadence and rhythm that I'm used to on a lot of YouTube's things, which is kind of generic. Hey, everybody, welcome to my YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe. You know, I mean, it, it's... <laughs> I am the vampire Lester. Let me tell you about uh, that. Uh, yes, the meme that's currently going around uh, in, in meme news this week. Uh, the uh, the first line of the Vampire Lestat has been replaced with, Hi, welcome to my YouTube channel. And then it's, My name is the Vampire Lestat. Let me tell you about my day and my nights in New Orleans. Or was perfect. And it's, uh, so, I... it's so true. <laughs> I uh, I realized over over the Christmas break that I speak to my family about an octave higher than I do, uh, especially on recordings uh, to anyone else. Nice. Yeah, I don't know whether that's as a result of having a child uh, and naturally adopting a more a lighter and optimistic tone <laughs> than saying eat your dinner uh but <laughs> why don't you eat your dinner now you know um but yeah I, I, or, or how long it's been like that i i genuinely don't know but a lot of people have a telephone voice don't they especially if they've worked in customer service they'll have their customer service telephone voice of hello and welcome to onyx path how can i help you today and you will have <laughs> your colleague voice of well there's a lot of work today at onyx path isn't there <laughs> it's it's actually it's funny it's actually funny you say that because i did used to do exactly that um I, I used to speak higher when i was on the telephone um and uh i got tired of constantly being misgendered as a result because uh this is back when you know there was a phone in my house and people would call mm. randomly you know that kind of barbaric practice has thankfully died but uh you know someone call i'd be like you know hello who is this uh, and like, oh, um, are, you, are you the lady of the house? And I'm just like, oh my god, um, I should start answering my phone. Oh, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> to the point now where I have trained myself to say, "Hello, this is Eddie." To which 
has stopped this zero times. Um, <laughs> I've got one last thing, and then we can get to the subject. Mm, I see, I see. Transformers related, so... We always have time for that. <laughs> well, so I've never been a fan of Transformers. It's just, it's just not my Podcast. thing. Done. Fired. <laughs> uh, I don't begrudge people who like it. It was just never my thing. Sure. Uh, but I was aware of Frank Welker, a voice uh -huh. artist. And I was recently just looking through some of my old um, Baldur's Gate modding files because uh, I used to be a member of the sort of modding community, as in games mods, not moderating, uh, for Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 way back oh, really? when, wow. in the early That's 2000s. Uh, yeah, I, I contributed to various things like romance mods and things like that. I did. That's, I guess, my first public writing. But anyway, uh, I was looking at some of the files, and the there was an NPC in Baldur's Gate 1 called Zar, who is one of the very first NPCs mm -hmm. who you hire for your party, a necromancer, chaotic evil necromancer. And he's voiced by Frank Welker. Uh, I only really? found this by looking into the, the files, and it had, for every reason, the voiceover artist's names next to all of the audio files. Like, when they had been submitted for the game, or filed, I guess... Uh, they were just filed with these incredibly lengthy file names that had the voiceover artist's name attached as well. And I thought, Frank Welker, is it the Frank Welker, the one from Transformers? And I looked it yeah. up, and sure enough, the strange, screechy, insane necromancer czar is also a screeching, insane Transformer <laughs> a lot of the time. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was uh, an interesting tidbit that ties it somewhat into role-playing. Uh, that reminds me of the time uh, of the uh, World Arts MMO. Um, one of the things that I, I brought up when working on content for it, uh, the game never happened, but um, was how do we tell voice actors to pronounce key words? Because, you know, I mean, Zimacy aside, there are other words that are pronounced inconsistently. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Bruja Bruja, Camarilla Camarilla. Um, mm -hmm. There's lots of them that have inconsistent pronunciations. Uh, and so I was like, well, why don't we just scrape the audio files out of um, one of the World Darkness games, like Bloodlines, um, and then just compile that. And they said, great, let us know when you're done. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and so I had to spend like uh, several weeks just listening to endless variations on extremely minor things. And I found some weird stuff like buried in the middle of that just in terms of listening to it um uh, like I, I i since now i now understand this is really common knowledge but at the time i had no clue that the cab driver in bloodlines was kane because oh, all his audio files were labeled kane <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like that's subtle <laughs> yes yes uh, it's uh, one of those, and uh, this actually ties in nicely to Scion, so this is good. Uh, mm. The One of the things that I always enjoyed as a storyteller for Vampire was the, was the uh, I guess, different pronunciations of common words. Uh, mm. In fact, something, while I guess I appreciated the existence of the lexicons in the core rulebooks, and I think in one of them, it, it stresses that Bruja is pronounced Bruja. But for the life mm -hmm. of me, I, I don't think I've ever comfortably said Bruja. Um, is it supposed to be Bruja? 
Uh, in in one of the books, it's either second edition or revised edition. It says Brujar, so, but brief, brief, it... di brief digression. Um, uh, I've I've had fight. I've had this fight actually. Um, when I talked to Rich specifically about this, Rich was like, "It's Brujar." I'm like, "Is it though?" Uh, and apparently, that is the pronunciation that everyone at the office used. Um, uh, so and it's not incorrect because right. if it's being written from I guess an anglicized perspective, it's a little like pronouncing a Spanish word in an English accent rather than using a Castilian accent, you know. Uh, and it makes perfect sense that there may be universal words that are pronounced in different ways by different people, mm -hmm. such as Zimishi or Jamiche and and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's something I've come up uh, against, but in a positive way, with Scion. Uh, because Scion is one of the games that we're currently crowdfunding, oddly. That, that sounds odd. It's like being shot back in time. Uh, we're, <laughs> uh, to, we've buried the lead long enough. We are doing a crowdfunding campaign right now for Scion Origin, the Trinity Core, and Trinity Continuum Aeon. And yeah, it's the late twenty teens all over again, <laughs> right? And obviously, it's it's for the benefit of reprints, and we'll be getting into those uh, all of those books in detail soon. But something I found whenever I've run Scion is there's often an initial hesitation from players to approach gods and pantheons with which they are less. I guess linguistically and culturally comfortable uh, and I think that's a totally understandable feeling, you don't want to appropriate, you don't want to tread all over a real world culture or belief system, whether it right. is extant or historic um, but one of the first things I try to do when story guiding Scion is, I will have a divine parent or another Scion say, you know essentially in the world our faiths are global and so our names are pronounced by thousands potentially millions of people we do not expect everyone to pronounce our names in the same way and we are essentially called we feel the summons of your prayers of your uh, entreaties by your meaning, by your desire, by your action. You know, it is not as simple as simply saying something in English or in uh, in Hindi or in Norwegian or whatever the pantheon happens to be. And I think as soon as you start expressing that, that in the world, capital W of Scion, that these pantheons exist uh, across a, a diasporic culture that uh, in the 21st century exists everywhere, it can put players much more at ease with, than the idea of we are essentially walking into what could, in our real world, be a reserved culture. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, uh, I think often these explanations even stemming all the way back to what we're talking about with Vampire the Masquerade and pronouncing clan names, it helps people understand. And Sion is very good at that, and I think story guides should feel comfortable saying that, because uh, we want people playing these games and enjoying them. 
Um, Agreed. The the these gods and their their children can exist anywhere from London to Tokyo and uh, many 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 locations in between, including ones not on Earth. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like anyway, I, I've rambled. I've rambled a lot. So sorry. Yeah, you that. have. <laughs> wow, just just put out there. I um, mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. It's just out there. Uh, but but I mean, to your point, Matthew, like we want these people out there playing the game. It's actually kind of what we're doing for this crowdfunder because it's very different than other stuff we've done before. So maybe talk about why that a little we, bit. Why don't we explain what the crowdfunder is? Well, you volunteered. Congratulations. Oh, I did. Okay, so it's called the <laughs> Reprint Repro A Go Go, and it ends tom- tomorrow. No, Monday, Tuesday. It ends Tuesday. Yeah, so you've only got this one. weekend. Yeah, you've only uh, we we did two weeks. Um, so you've only got this weekend to finish and go pledge to it. It's on Indiegogo, um, and it's literally a reprint campaign. We are reprinting books that are honestly out of print we ran out of books for them and people still want to be able to buy them and we would love to be able to reprint them but it costs money to do traditional print runs but not only are we doing traditional print runs uh, of the books to get them reprinted uh, specifically for scion this will make a lot of the scion people happy but also for uh, the Trinity Continuum and for Aeon. So the the three books that we're reprinting that you can choose are the Scion Origin, mm-hmm. Trinity Continuum Core Rulebook, and Trinity Continuum Aeon. All of those mm-hmm. books have been completely sold out. We don't have any more in stock. We don't have any more at Studio Two. There may be some at your local bookstore that haven't been bought up, but if your local bookstore runs out, they can't order anymore. Right. So we would like people to be able to buy these things. Um, and so we are doing this campaign. It, we are not asking for a whole lot of money. We're just asking for enough to get a reprint going. So <laughs> this is kind of a pre-purchase of a reprint. Like we're not doing very much to the books. They're just going to go straight to a printer. The printer is going to print them and then they're going to ship. So you'll get them before the end of the year. Yeah, and uh, it's good kind of digging into this because um, uh, this is a new printing, not right. a new edition. Yes, we're uh, literally just printing the same book again, but there is a little bit of difference between these books and the original print runs because uh, the original print run of specifically Scion had some textual issues, essentially. There was a snafu in taking some of the errata changes and implementing them. And uh, it it was mostly minor things like name changes and some some things that kind of got changed last minute that didn't make it into the print run. The Mm -hmm. PDF has been updated, but the print run uh, kind of didn't get the chance to get that updated before it went to the press. So we have incorporated that. We had released like a one-page errata sheet, so that shows you how much, how many changes it was. Not very many. Uh, right. But we have incorporated that er, those errata changes into this print run. So if you purchased, like I did, a, an original print run copy of Origin, you have the quote-unquote uh, needs errata book 
where mm-hmm. if you purchase this book at a discount, $35 is actually a pretty good price, then you will get all of that errata incorporated into the book and you don't need to look up the errata sheet anymore. Um, I am purchasing this new print run because I would like a book that doesn't need the errata sheet anymore. Um, even though I already have two copies of origin <laughs> in my house already. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and there's also some other uh, uh, minor changes. Uh, like for example, um, there are going to be some font changes. Uh, uh, they should not visually be different, uh, but it's just, the nature of how font licensing works and whatnot that we can't use a couple of the original fonts we used for this book, so we're changing those out. Um, little things like that, that that will probably be largely invisible to the person, and certainly for someone just picking it up for the first time, they'll have no clue any of this stuff has happened. Right. Um, uh, but I do want to kind of stress that uh, uh, this is not, we're not taking this opportunity to like rewrite the book. No. Um, uh-uh. When we're talking about errata, we're talking about changing this word for that word, changing this number for that number kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we already have that list and we've already implemented that list. We're not adding anymore because it does have to go to the printer pretty fast. Yeah, right. it's clarity uh, more than right. uh, more yes. than addition. You know, that uh, a lot of people will have already seen the Scion Origin errata sheet that Danielle referenced uh, because, you know, of course, we made it freely downloadable. Uh, mm-hmm. That content will all be in Scion Origin now, uh, and uh, the, and if you already have the PDF of Scion Origin, it's already there. But if you've got the traditionally printed copy, it's not. Right. So mm-hmm. if you are someone who runs and plays games using a hard copy book, this is a useful a useful book to have, a useful campaign to back. Yes. Right. Um, another thing uh, to keep in mind uh, is that uh, we're talking about incorporating some, and, and there's gonna be a little bit of that. We we took the opportunity to do a little bit of that in Trinity and Aeon as well. So all three books are gonna have some slight updates. Uh, but again, there are probably still gonna be a couple things that either you don't agree with or just are straight up typos. We had to be strategic in what we focused on because again, these things need to be put together pretty fast to get out to the printer. Um, so we're not going to have our usual errata pass on the crowdfunding campaign. Um, we're not going to send it out uh, to backers and have them add more stuff. I and mean, that, that these books are already done. You know, they're all getting ready to go. On the, you know, we need to figure out how many we need to print really at this stage. Right. Uh, so if you're going, this book is now perfect and there are no mistakes in it. That's that's just not going to happen because it's we never going to happen. Right, we're flawed human beings. Um, I just don't want people going into this expecting that there are going to be zero mistakes. Right, they're going to be fewer mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I will say that you know when we had the opportunity to update the Trinity Trinity Continuum Core and the Aeon Core like book, I went into those and I didn't look at typos at all. I only looked at places where I knew after it printed and I had looked at the book and gone, huh, that, that doesn't actually do anything at all mechanically. Right. That, that's just a useless thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or, oh, these numbers are, should all be one lower. Oops, my right. mistake. Like th- that kind of thing. And I specifically looked at that stuff. So if there are were typos in the book, there are still typos in the book because I didn't look for any of them. I only looked for things that I knew 
made the game less playable and not less playable in the sense that like, ah, because this trick doesn't work, you can't play the game. Like, no, of course not. Stunt. It's stunts. Sorry. Right. Of course not. It is instead just things that I felt like here, either this will add some more clarity to how this works or this will uh, this will make everything else make more sense if these numbers are a little lower. Now, I will also say that I didn't touch scale. So if you're a person who's <laughs> like, Trinity scale is terrible and I don't like it and it's so confusing, I'm sorry. I'm right. so sorry. It, but it is, it, it, did, it did not get touched. I touched that thing so many times, especially during the Aberrant campaign. We updated the Trinity Continuum Core text. Literally, the, the files had gone to the printer. And I was like, Mike, 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 can I make this change? And he was like, do it right now or never. And I was like, oh, my God, here's the text. So that's right. never getting changed again. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so, so this, again, this is to kind of just give you some context. Again, this is not a new edition. This is not a, a, a revamp or everything. We're, we're simply just taking the opportunity to tweak a couple of small things. This is a new printing. And there are, those are, there are distinctions of that in the printing world, um, which are not always clear to the casual reader. So we thought we'd kind of take the time to go into those. Um, but uh, in case you're maybe not familiar with those because you may have came to the pathcast later. We just found out to say that uh, some services don't have pathcast episodes beyond, you know, roughly 190 ish. Uh, so they're these, missing out on our golden age. I mean, right they now are. We're, we're very much in decline. Th- this it's is because all, you yeah. added me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm no, not no, no, no. Um, uh, But you may not be familiar with, with uh, the books you're talking about. Uh, so we thought we'd take the opportunity to kind of, Break them out. And also, we haven't really talked about them at, at, at any kind of length in a while, so it's kind of going to go over them again. Uh, so, uh, Matthew, since you already kind of started referencing it, maybe you'll tell people what Cyan Origin is, what it's about, what kind of game it is. Oh, yeah, and you've got no idea how much I'm going to be messaging Dixie when she comes to edit this to get us to rearrange this episode into some kind of order so that we have this bit on first. <laughs> uh, That's so... not going to happen. I've even got to give it a fantastic intro so we're doing crowdfunding for Scion Origin again and I thought (laughs) I would talk about Scion Origin right now uh, because not only have I run a lot of Scion since it came out in 2nd edition uh, I am presently running it and uh, one of my Patreon groups has recently ascended to Hero Tier and that has given me a fresh perspective on Scion that I've really enjoyed. Uh, in Scion Origin, you are playing mortals who have recently uh, become aware that they are slightly more than the average human. Uh, they tend to be what is referred to as pre-visitation, uh, which is that you aren't necessarily fully cognizant of the fact that you're the child of a specific deity or of a a particular pantheon, though you may have certain clues based on your abilities and certain strings of fate that pull you this way and that. 
your characters in Scion Origin can be compared to street-level superheroes. You are slightly a cut above the average human, and that allows you to perform various heroic deeds that ultimately will set you on the path to becoming a hero, the second book in the Scion line. Uh, Scion is a game that is steeped in mythology, but you don't have to be a historian, archaeologist, antiquarian, or otherwise student of classical studies to understand it, because it has everything from deep, meaningful, meaningfully researched, and historically significant myth in there, as well as pop culture. And a lot of us are introduced to mythology via pop culture, and that is a perfectly decent way to play the game mm -hmm. so i know lots of people who have played scion in so many different ways and i've heard so many different stories of how they do it and one thing i have discovered with my recent scion game is it is actually possible especially at origin level to have characters who approach their divinity in these different ways so one person realizes they are the child of thor and their association with Thor is basically the Thor they have seen in Marvel movies. That is the Thor in their mind. Meanwhile, you have another child of, uh, let's think, uh, 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 Chippy Totek of the uh, Teotl, uh, the Aztec pantheon, or Mexica pantheon, and this could be someone who is deeply historically and culturally interested in the flayed god and has no cultural pop cultural reference to it and so that can create nice clashes in your band of scions the way they see their power and what they are destined to become all that said Scion Origin is a very simple game to run and play, the simplest of the Scion games in my opinion, uh, because it sets you up on a path toward greatness and allows you to start your odysseys uh, at the very basic street level. I'm a big fan of it, and just like Danielle, I will be picking up the mm. revised version that is funded via our crowdfunding campaign. It's very good, yes. No, it's 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 quite nice. I mean, it's it's the, also the kind of the core rulebook for Slan as a whole. Yeah, um, yeah. But but you're right, uh, Matthew. Like, wow, a lot of people really want to kind of jump to that hero level, and it's understandable. Um, Origin is 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 quite fun, and and you can certainly do a lot with it as they kind of start to understand and learn about uh, the the mythological world they're a part of. Yeah, I think there's. it's very easy with Scion or indeed a lot of the games we work on. You could say the same thing for a lot of the Trinity games, the World of Darkness games, to try and take on the entire world and its various mysteries in your first few sessions. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to see a core book as almost the definitive experience uh, if that makes sense. And I think Origin, as the name implies, is an excellent Origin book. Mm. It is, as you point out, the core rulebook. And much like a player's handbook for D&D, it sets you on your journey and prepares you for your Session Zero, your prologue campaign, if you will. Mm. Now, you can remain at that level if you want. It is absolutely reasonable to do so, and I've ran lots of Origin-tier games. 
But likewise, you can use that book just to familiarise yourself with what Scion can become. And then once you're comfortable with it, and once the characters have got used to, or the players have got used to their characters in the world, then you move on to Hero. Uh, so I, I see nothing wrong with having what is effectively an entry-level book. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's a great way to start off a campaign. Yeah. And actually, uh, speaking of using the core book stuff campaign, uh, we'll segue nicely into the second book uh, in our reprint to go go, um, which is the Trinity core rulebook. Um, and I know Danielle, you you've worked a lot on that book, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that's all about. Yeah, so Trinity Continuum is a game set in a modern version of our world. It is not our world, but it is very similar to our world. And it is mm -hmm. set in kind of like the right now, everything that is going on right now, this day, like 2024. Well, it you know, wasn't quite 2024 when it was printed, but everything is very just modern and happening right now. It's not right, right. right. It, the year is the, the year, year is now. now is right. It's, <laughs> it's not one of those like, uh, in the far future kind of thing or in the in the near future it is right now and so you play as hyper competent people called talents who have just they're just above the average human they're maybe even better than the abnormally good human so mm -hmm. we're looking at Olympic level athletes, we're looking at genius level uh, mathematicians, we're looking at people who are all stars in whatever it is they do. And you're playing talents who are hyper competent, which means that the things that you're doing, it's never a question of, can you do a thing? It's more, how do you do a thing? And what comes about in the world because you did a thing? So a lot of the games that you can play with Trinity Continuum are things where your characters are running into challenges that are interesting conundrums that can cascade into a, a group of problems. And you can really use the game to play any genre of game from action adventure to mystery to romance even and your your people are hyper competent at whatever it is they do so we use a lot of genre uh adaptations or tv shows because there's definitely some books also that that show hyper competent people but when you think of shows like leverage or shows like or movies like the oceans movies where you're doing heists. Uh, mm -hmm. You can also do um, looking at stuff like uh, Tomb Raider, where your, uh, your, your character, your Laura Croft style character is ridiculously athletic, ridiculously intelligent, and really just very competent at everything she tries to do. But she is an archaeologist who's going out and exploring the world and often trying to go up against other assholes who are trying to stop her from getting to the thing. Um, a very common <laughs> scenario in yeah. those kinds of games. Uh, yeah, Tomb Raider is known for its assholes. It, it is. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. 
the other game that does that a lot is uh, the Uncharted series. Yes. Uh, they, they're both yes. in the very same genre of, you know, go out, do a thing, find out that somebody else is also trying to do that thing, get into a shooting match. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things that you're going to kind of be emulating while you're playing this game, but you can do honestly anything. We have a lot of advice for genre emulation and we have a lot of advice for how to set up scenarios for these kinds of characters. And this is again, a core book for all of the other Trinity continuum books. So all of the other Trinity Continuum books, which we'll get to talking about Anne a little bit because that is the other reprint book, but they're all different eras of time. So Trinity Continuum Core is our present day game. And then we have Aberrant, which is the near future where you're playing superheroes. We have Anne, which is the far future where you're playing space exploration and uh the psionicists. Uh, we also have adventure where you're playing back in the 1930s. And so it's more of a pulp and historical game. We also have Aether, which is even further in the past, kind of in a steampunk era where you're playing again, t- talent style characters who are uh, doing more weird science stuff. And then we even have Aegis, where you're playing in the like far past, kind of ancient Greece, uh, ancient the ancient world, and you are kind of the the heroes and champions of that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have another one that is right like set right after Aberrant, that is again kind of near future, but a little further in the future than Aberrant is set, called Anima. And it is our, it, it's like a combination of a lit RPG uh, or and a cyber, not cyberpunk. Um, yeah, cyberpunk. Yeah, cyberpunk, yeah. Uh, type, for some reason I was like that word and then I was like, that word is wrong, Danielle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Usually it is wrong when most people use it, but in this case it's actually correct. Yeah, so, uh, so you kind of live in this like really dystopic uh a hyper-regulated world uh, city named uh, Cascadia. It's Cascadia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people kind of deal and cope with being in such a dystopic place by playing a game called Terra Surge. And Terra Surge is a kind of a fully immersive uh, experience that people play with uh, a special implant that is called glass that allows them to do the fully immersive um, VR si- simulation type thing. And you, you play a character who is a talent and they do stuff in Cascadia, but they also need to go into the game and play their anima as a character in the Terra Surge game. And there are storylines happening in both elements, which is honestly so fucking cool. I don't even... I don't even know how to tell you how cool that is. Uh, and, and you can pick up all of those games in this campaign, by the way. Right, uh, right. Um, yeah, so Trinity, the core rulebook, is kind of the spine 
for all of these other games. Uh, whereas with with Scion, um, the the depth comes from evolving more and more into your godlike form and exploring a different the mythic world that's still kind of set in the now the entire time. And so it's you're moving further and deeper into myth. Whereas with mm -hmm. Trinity, because it, it's a little more sci-fi, so it's moving backwards and forwards in time and exploring different parallel dimensions and all that stuff. Um, and to these points, uh, you, a lot of that is opt-in, right? If you want to just use Trinity Core Rulebook to basically run uh, a Lupin style game mm -hmm. or uh, like you said, leverage style game, it, it's perfectly fine and absolutely works just fine that way. Uh, if you want to get into some of the deep weird of Trinity, uh, you absolutely can do that too. Uh, one part of the deep weird uh, is the third book, um, which is uh, Trinity Continuum Aeon. Yes. Uh, and uh, this was, if you are an old school fan of Trinity, this was the game that was originally called Trinity and mm -hmm. also originally called Aeon. We just kind of jammed them together. Uh, but this is our um, space opera sci-fi game, as, as Danielle mentioned. Um, uh, Ian, who is our content lead, uh, uh, often refers to as kind of like our, our take on Star Wars, Mass Effect, those kinds of very uh, adventure space opera. Um, you certainly could do a, a Star Trek style game with this if you wanted to. Uh, but there's there's a, there's a, a a touch more of that kind of adventurous vibe to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the default characters are known as scions, which is not at all confusing when you say it out loud. But it looks different on the page, so it's okay. It's P S I O N, not S C I O N. Uh, but you are someone who has manifested psychic powers, uh, and um, in the year twenty one twenty three, psychic powers are just now starting to be understood and uh, uh, codified to a certain degree. Uh, but again, like a lot of our Trinity Continuum games, uh, they do tend to circle around one kind of umbrella uh, of, of genre. Anima is kind of an exception to this. Most of the ones that kind of have an umbrella of genre, and then there's lots of subslices in that that you can easily slide around in. So for uh, Aeon, it's like you can, you know, just be straight up travel different planets and uh, get involved in various space adventures with with aliens. You can have to do that. But also, um, this is set uh, in uh, the further future of our cyberpunk games. So uh, the the openly fascist uh, FSA is still around, uh, and so you can still get a, a slightly more future uh, cyberpunk vibe. In, into Aeon if you want to. Uh, uh, also, um, there, there's political drama as a different uh, elements of, of FSA and the, the people on Olympus who've colonized the moon and other parts of the world are all kind of in different political intrigues with each other. And also this is at the end of a war uh, with super powerful beings called Aberrants. Uh, and they have actually destroyed chunks of the world most notably in Aeon France, they just sort of chunk of France. Uh, so you can actually do even post-apocalyptic stuff in Aeon. So there's a lot of flexibility and variety within Aeon. It's not just uh, a spacefaring space opera, um, but it also plays really well to its strengths. Again, like a lot of the Trinity games is you can go in and find an edge if you want to. Uh, but as one of our tentpole games, certainly there's a lot of 
depth and, and nuance in it. Um, and again, it was the very first one we did. Uh, we actually, when we did the crowdfunder for Aeon, we did it at the same time as the Trinity Core rulebook. Uh, so um, that was one of our very first two book uh, crowdfunding campaigns. Uh, so it, it, it was, these were developed simultaneously, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, they were gonna develop at the same time. Um, so so they, these work very, very well together. Uh, and honestly, uh, I mean, I've only admittedly only played bits and pieces with Aeon. Aeon is not uh, the Trinity game I am the most familiar with. But every time I dip into it, there's there's, there's just so much cool stuff. Um, uh, and there's a lot you could do. Again, like you have neat sonic powers, the very kind of cinematic sonic powers. So it's less uh, I have to concentrate really hard to maybe get a few thoughts from someone and more I'm going to shoot you with my my mind lasers kind of psionics. Uh, uh, and there, there's cool tech um, and there's uh, a mysterious alien race and that alien race is, keeps kind of popping up throughout the Trinity Continuum. So there's a lot of also the, not continuity is the wrong word, um, connections between games, I think is the best way to describe how Trinity works because it's not like a, I have to under, read all the games to understand what's going on thing. We definitely don't do that with Trinity. Uh, no, but if yeah, you- Absolutely not. No, no, no. If you picked up one Trinity game and then you pick up another Trinity game, you go, oh, that name looks familiar. Or I, that sounds a bit like what's going on in this other game I was reading. Uh, uh, that's more kind of what the, it, 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 the idea of, like almost like a comic universe where you pick up one title and then you pick up like a title. It's like, oh, there's a character from that first title that I recognize. It's it's more along yeah. those lines. Easter eggs of connectivity. That's a good one. That's good at putting it. Um, and and we also very nicely compartmentalize all of those in, in both of our books uh, into a setting secrets chapter. It's kind of shoved to the back, uh, so that way, um, if you want to go look for it, it's all there in one neat place. But again, the rest of the game is not relying on it. The only thing you have to have is the the core rule book. Uh, since we have a little bit of time left, um, uh, if you're waiting for your three reprints to come out, we actually have a couple of books we've recently released that are doing quite well on DriveThruRPG. Um, uh, so since we're kind of sticking with our themes here, um, let's start back to Scion again. Uh, Matthew, maybe talk about Once in Future. Maybe I can. Maybe I will. Maybe uh, so maybe maybe no no. Uh, Once in the future is a recent release that keeps uh, floating back into the top ten on Drive Through RPG. I'm very happy to say. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and more broadly speaking, this is all fantastic news. I don't know. I don't think we've expressed properly how excellent it is that we've actually run through our first print run on these three books, and we are mm, looking true. at a second print run. That it, that's a pretty big milestone. It is, and uh, and once and future is a book that, uh, as I as I mentioned, keeps going, getting into the top ten on Drive Through RPG. That is a big deal. This is a source book, and source books don't always, well, they don't always uh, hang around in the top ten, shall we say? Uh, we we never know exactly what the audience is going to be, and it seems once and future has found its audience. And right now, at least as a time of recording, it's PDF only. It will be available and printed on demand as well. 
This is our Arthurian Legends Scion book. Because Scion deals with myths of all kinds. Uh, it isn't always about, uh, I guess, pantheistic play, shall we say. Sometimes we are delving into what might may be called legends. Uh, King Arthur is one of the, I guess, most prominent European legends uh the i guess spans the dark ages period roughly and lots of different countries have their own king arthur myth and mm -hmm. once and future handles those and allows you to explore that myth in a modern setting you know what happens if essentially you become a knight of the round table in a contemporary era uh, what happens if you wield these relics, these swords, these Excaliburs and uh, other important swords like Sequence and uh, other other weapons that appear in these legends? What are the traits they have? Uh, and I mentioned Pantheons. This book has a completely new Pantheon in it. It has the Welsh gods uh, mm -hmm. present in it, uh, lovingly detailed, and uh, Adventures as well. You can play through too. It's absolutely packed with law and with mechanics that you can use and so it makes it a very appealing book for me because you know me i like i like books that have something for the players and the story guides in absolutely and this book very nicely balances that kind of material out there is plenty of material for players to uh pour over to incorporate their characters in. and what's more you can by all means use once and future content with characters who are not connected to the pantheons and deities that are mentioned in it uh, this legend as i mentioned it's uh, while not necessarily universal has spread and it's evolved and there's many different tales uh, that are told about it so whether you're looking at king arthur or the green knight or lancelot or the lady in the lake and uh, so many of these other stories it's all in there and so well written and developed uh, i i'm so glad it has found an audience because i think it deserves it it's a very exciting book like mm -hmm. yeah and it shows kind of uh the the breadth of Scion as a concept, right? Yeah, you said that, that more than just that pantheistic myth. It's all kinds of myths. Exactly, exactly. I think there's there is always the risk you can, I guess, fall into a pigeonhole of mm -hmm. this is what your game is about. And Once and Future is one of those books that shows you thought Scion is just like this, but it's actually it can be like this as well. Mm -hmm. And I love those kind of resources that make you rethink the way you approach a game and the kind of stories you tell in them. Yep, absolutely. Um, but going back to the charts for a moment here, um, at the time of recording, it's number one. It'll probably be number one by the time you listen to it, to be honest, uh, is for Exalted, which is Across State Direction, which I understand has been a very anticipated book. Uh, mm -hmm. So Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yes, uh, Across the Eight Directions no, no, sorry. Yeah, we're talking about that? That's what you just yes. said, right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> just sorry, I had a moment where I was like, why are we talking about Exalted? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean it. I, I just threw you into that. Just you did. No, it's second. okay. It's okay. Uh, Across the Eight Directions is a book that covers the entirety of creation, as it implies. It 
covers everything across all of the quote unquote eight directions um, of of creation and the directions it that's kind of like the eight directions is kind of like a thing in exalted where it's like north northeast west or east southeast south yeah, the compass southwest, rose, yeah. like the, comp- the compass right um there are actually nine chapters in this book uh, uh-huh. uh <laughs> but and and they're not just north northeast east <laughs> like it's not like that right it it instead got covers like yes does cover the north or it cover but it also covers like the scavenger lands or it covers the um the blessed isles and then it covers you know all these different kind of locations within creation that are important either economically or geog- geographically or politically um mm-hmm. and so that is how it's broken down in the book and it gives all sorts of history of the area, information about what's in the area, information about the cities that are in the area, information about the the main like political and imp- kind of informative stuff, and also kind of if you want to set your game in this area, what kind of things you can do there. So yeah. it's a if you love Exalted, the world of Exalted, and you want to know more about the world of Exalted. This book is your essentially your atlas for creation, and it includes maps. Uh, there's one big map of all of creation, and then there are blown up maps of each of the areas. And the maps are gorgeous, so nice. I definitely suggest um, picking it up if you like maps. And the whole book is honestly really, uh, really well done, really well put together. It's kind of been long awaited. And part of that is getting those beautiful maps done. Right. Uh, the, uh, but the book itself is, it's got a lot of really good, just, you know, open it up to a section, read about an area, and you're going to see a lot of cool story hooks and stuff that you could bring into your game no matter where your game is set and, and it, those books can be a, a ton of fun mm-hmm. um like you said like, you know where you can kind of flip to any page and find cool plot hooks or a neat place to go and set your adventures in those are always uh, a lot of fun uh and then since we're daniel already kind of mentioned it but uh it's 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 also partially my baby so uh one of the other new releases I want to talk about is Training Continuum Anima. Um, uh, it, because it was, I, I was one of the devs on it, um, along with uh, uh, Ian and also uh, Dominic had a strong contribution to the original uh, setting of it. But it, it's it's one of those things that like, it shows the how we can try new things. It's similar to how Once in Future expanded what Scion could be in its own way. Anima is another, uh, what you could do in Trinity. It's like, yes, you could, we could have done another Cyberpunk game, but we also said, like, what if we also simultaneously did uh, a video game, Isekai homage mm-hmm. thing inside of it and do it relatively seriously. Like it, it would have been really easy to do uh, uh, kind of a silly or uh, satirical take on video games, but we did it kind of a, a straightforward no, we're taking this as, 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 and showing what's cool and exciting and fun about 
MMORPGs and how do we, how does that look into the future and also what are the ethical ramifications of it and certainly uh, working on a game in 2020 about uh, AI making content has in no way aged badly in 2024. <laughs> That's one of those games where it's like, uh, it was really cool to make, but also it is getting weirdly accurate and I'm uncomfortable with that on some level. Um, uh, but it's it's such a neat little book. Um, and, and I really help people who, if you if you pick up your reprint of Trinity Core Rulebook and Trinity Aeon, and you want to kind of dig more into the cyberpunk side of it, uh, I really do think you will enjoy Trinity Continuum Anima. Uh, it, it's definitely a labor of love that that's, uh, Many people, including Daniel and myself, uh, worked really hard on it. We really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, that's three books that are uh, getting reprinted and three books that are out now that you can check out. All six books are technically out now, but um, if you want to get like like Matthew and Daniel, if you want to get the the latest, slightly polished versions of those three books, do check out our Repro a Go Go. I believe it is officially called Reprint Repro a Go Go. Thank you. Reprint, repro. Okay, Rich okay. likes rhymes. He does. He really and does. It's on Indiegogo, which makes it easy to remember or hard to remember, depending on how your brain works. If you type reprint, repro, a go go into Google, it is literally the first hit. Well, there you go. I mean, even in just that sense, it's genius. Even, <laughs> yes, that, in that sense, it's genius. Uh, also, just repro, a go go, if you can't remember the whole thing will bring up the same thing. Now, yeah, right. uh, and it should be remarked upon again, we have already hit funding. Uh, yes. I, we, really, this is just an opportunity for you, uh, the listeners, our customers, our role players and readers, to pick up traditionally printed copies of these books, given that the first print run has sold through. So uh, please get on board, and I especially advocate doing so if you are based in the U.S., where the uh, shipping is uh, quite reasonable. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing uh, because now I'm learning the pain of not being in the U.S. and what shipping looks like outside of the U.S., <laughs> and I do not like it. I'm not yes. a fan. <laughs> but uh, like, uh, if you are from anywhere else in the world, uh, the PDF option is definitely there too. Absolutely. Uh, so I think we will uh, draw this to a close. Uh, Danielle, if people wanted to find you online to ask you more questions about the Trinity Continuum, where would they find you at? I'm usually on the Onyx Path Discord, and I am also at daniellelozon.com. And Matthew, if they want to talk to you about Scion and where Scion's going in the future, where would they find you? Oh, if they want to ask me questions like that, go over to the Onyx Path Discord. It is the best place to find me. Indeed. And if you want to talk to me about uh, Anima or Pugmire or anything else that I'm involved with, uh, you can find me just about anywhere if you look for the word Pugsteady. That's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. Uh, I do also have a newsletter if you want to keep up with my monthly updates on what I'm working on. But really, as Matthew said, the Onyx Path Discord is, our, is the best place to chat with all of us if you have questions. Um, just don't tag us. Don't be a jerk about it. Um, but we're always happy to answer uh, sincere, polite questions of people who want to know more. If we can talk about it. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Please check out the Indiegogo reprint, repro a go go. And as always, many worlds, one pathway.